guys would pray with me and for me. I'm going to be praying with you and for you. Yeah? Let's try it again. Yeah? Yeah. All right. At least fake it. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this day. Lord, I thank you for a beautiful day. I thank you for the sun being out. I thank you for good food and friends and family. And I thank you for your mercy and your grace. And God, uh, man, uh, you know, the temptation we're calling out, you know, save us from this or that and all these things going on in the world. Lord, you've already saved us. It's, it's over. It's finished. And uh, we know how this story ends. And I just pray we'd remember that in the midst of it and that we would stay and look at how many times you have to tell us like a patient father, be calm, uh, have no fear, uh, don't be anxious, that you're in control. We trust you, Father. And I pray you'd move in the hearts of everyone here, that everyone that's here is here for a reason, Lord. They may not even know that reason. They may think they're here uh, just to eat food or talk to someone, but you have a purpose, a real purpose in their lives in this moment. I know that. And I pray, God, even though this messenger may be flawed, Lord, that your message is pure and true and good. And I pray that, man, it would reach the hearts of the people. And Lord, help me to preach your word and only your word, and that it would be empowered by your spirit, and I wouldn't get in the way. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. How you guys doing? Good. I can almost hear Norman. He's the best. Hey, before I get started on today's uh, message, this wasn't in my notes, but I had this feeling. And if you've been around me lately, I've been saying this a lot. But in case I haven't got to talk to you recently, I want to talk a little, just briefly. Everywhere I look, people are reading articles to me and telling me about the latest news on this virus. Okay? And here's the thing. I, I, it's, it's good. I love information. I'm a nerd. I read things. Not that reading's nerdy, but, you know, anyway... Uh, I love studying, but here's the thing. Um, you have to ask yourself why you're doing that. Are you feeding your anxiety? Are you feeding your fear? Are you actually looking at it because you want to feel better or you want to encourage other people? What's your purpose? Because you feel like you might have a sense of control over it. I don't mean this in a mean way, but I love you enough to tell you the truth. You have zero control. You can sanitize what you want. You can spray what you want. You can buy all the toilet paper in the world. By the way, what are you going to do with all the toilet paper and no food? All right. Anyway, you can do all of these things. Listen, but the reality is you can't stop it. And I don't mean that in a scary way, meaning you can't, yes, let's be wise. And certainly, you know, we should stay away when people are sick and all these things. But don't let wisdom get confused with panic. You understand what I'm saying? There's a difference. It's the same reason like I don't I will cough in my hand. If I don't or my arm, if someone coughs without their arm, that irritates me, right? I mean, I don't want their spit on me. I don't but at the same time, I'm not trying to kill them after that. I'm not trying to, you know, run away and burn myself. Like at the end of the day, guys, listen. I, th- this is th- this is this came to me the other day. I put this out briefly yesterday and if you didn't see it, it's just a simple thought came to me. Today is no different than yesterday. And yesterday is no different than 3 weeks ago. Do you know that there are diseases and things out there that at any point, and I'm not making light of this, so stay with me because some of you are going, no, you're not taking it serious. I take cancer seriously too. There are things, like, there are things in this world, nothing's different. The only difference is now it's become more real to us how, how uh, tenuous our situation is, how, how fragile life can be, Right? But let me make you understand, if you're a Christian in this room, in third world countries, we say it and it's become this thing. Well, in third world countries, no, understand, my friend the other day, he, he blew my mind again and reminded me that people die, two to three million people die a year of malaria. Two to three million. That's insanity. That's crazy that we live in a world where that doesn't make us panic. I don't know what's going to happen. And we can't control and we're going to honor the government and honor what needs to be done and certainly be wise. And if it makes you feel better to have a castle of toilet paper, by all means, even though I'm going to be knocking on your door because I can't go buy any for myself now. All right? At the end of the day, at, remember if you're a Christian in this room that God is still God. And God is still sovereign. And I don't, again, I don't know. It's, I haven't hesitated to say it because I, I don't know. I don't know. But I know this much, that if you said you believed in Jesus before when things were good, now we find out if you really do. Because they have to do that every day. And for just, I hope it only lasts till tomorrow. I do, right? I hope it lasts. But for a short time, we, we have a nerve touch that other believers in this world live in every single day. And now, when God says, do not be fearful. Do not be anxious or troubled. Trials are going to come. We don't just think about, ooh, I, you know, I, I didn't get that raise. Right? Oh man, I didn't. My house payment didn't come through. Those are real things. Now we got to see, 
what does it really mean? You know, and there are people out there that are dealing with sicknesses right now that aren't coronavirus related that we know way more about and is a real battle. And, um, you know, let's not wait for those moments to, to really, where, to really uh, examine where our faith is. What is faith? What is faith? Sometimes we think faith means everything's going to go the way we want it to go. That's not faith. Faith is knowing that however it goes, that we trust God and that it will work out. Right? Okay. So, that being said, uh, don't let anxiety get you down, okay? Moving forward in the week's head. And who knows what's going to, you know, as far as the government and what they need to do. That being said, we're not going to talk about that until later. <laughs> uh, welcome to the Remnant. My name is Todd. I'm the pastor here. If you're here, uh, this is your first time. You didn't come last week. Well, I'm glad you're here, but you missed the beginning of a cool new series that uh, we're doing called Be a King, Find a Queen. It's online. You guys need to hear this. Um, so go listen to that. So what is that all about? It's about, here's the deal, we have a serious problem in this culture, although in light of things it seems that way. We have an we have a issue of fatherlessness, rising divorce rates, rates, excuse me, women far outweighing men in churches and in ministries and in service. By the way, that's even true in the remnant, men. So yeah, you're men's men. Why is it all the volunteers are women? Most of them. Um, no men on the cleaning team, no men on the cooking team. Hmm, Weird. 93% of all people, all people in prison are men. Think about that. 93%. That's, in, that's crazy. So what's the problem? When men are struggling to know who they are and what their purpose is. Guys, if you're in the room, you've went through that or going through that. You do. It's confusing. Be strong. Don't be abusive. Be strong. You're too strong. Be man. What does that mean? We don't know, Right? Men are struggling to know who they are and what their purpose are, and it's affecting our families, churches, communities, and culture as a whole. Listen, men, ladies, you too, but men, we are made to be, we are made in the image of God, and we are to tend the garden and rule the kingdom. What I mean by that is, in the beginning, in Genesis, he says he made us in the image of God, and we will rule all the things of the earth, see all of that, right? We rule it in whose name? His name. He is the king of kings. Well, to be king of kings, there got to be kings, right? Yeah, you ready? We are made to be kings. We are made to rule and have authority over our area. We are made to be like our father and rule in that way. If you're in this room and that makes you mad and you're a guy, that just means you don't want the weight of responsibility. So you're going to laugh and make fun of it because you don't like, if you do that, then nobody calls you out for not carrying weight. We'll talk about that in a minute. You're wearing one of the masks that men wear. We also are made to work. It says, after he made us in his image, he put us in the garden to work it. We are to tend our gardens. That's your family, your friend, your work. We are to take care of business, right, and lead and serve. Lead does not mean command and demand. Lead means serve and carry weight. We are made for more than we've been told and more than we often want. Instead of rising up to the purpose, we men have taken the easier way out, and instead we put on masks. I'm gonna get, I have to give you a brief wrap. Uh, what is it, primer from last week, um, in order for you to understand. We wear masks. We've taken on other roles. So the throne rooms, families, right? In so many families, the throne, the king's throne. Women, you're queens. We'll get to that, right? Co-rulers, but different. Men, you're made to be kings, and that you have left the throne empty. Or worse yet, put your wife on it, which you think she wants, but she is crushed beneath the weight of having to carry all of that. And so, men... Instead of king you're meant to be, you decide to take an easier role because the society will reward you in the short term for it. So what are the masks? I'll tell you. It'll be up here on the screen for you. The jester. Uh, real fast. You might be the jester. The jester's the funny guy, the entertainer. Everything is a joke. He can't be serious unless it's part of his act. He takes his identity from entertaining people. I know if I'm good by how many people I have around me laughing or wanting to hear my music, rather the art guys too. Yeah, I wrote a new song, right? I love music, but not if it's from your identity, not if that's all you do. <clears throat> His self-worth is tied to how much notice he gets from the crowd. That's important. His self-worth comes from how much notice and attention and affirmation he gets from those around him. The athlete could fit in here too, believe it or not. It's always about him and what he brings. It's about his gift. See me, see what I can do. 
The second one is the mercenary. He's the tough guy. Domineering, scary, he threatens. You've met these guys, right? The mercenary is very successful, specifically in business, sometimes in churches. Some pastors are the mercenary, truth. They're the scary, domineering type A, right? Ugh, don't get in my way. They don't need anyone. They're the know-it-alls. They often do succeed in life. This is one that men tend to go to because if you're a mercenary, you can get ahead. Because you fight and crush your goals and dominate. But the truth is, no matter, it doesn't matter who you have to step on to get there. Your wife, your kids, your coworkers. You fight for yourself. That's why I said a mercenary. You're out for your own gain. He's a warrior, but he only fights for himself and what's best for him. And we have the gentleman. See what he did there? The gentleman. Guys, guess what? This is by far the most popular one in the church today. By far. Because this one has the appearance of Jesus without any of the character. He's the nice guy. He's always pleases. He's gentle, kind. He never rocks the boat. He gives, but here's the key. He gives just to get. You ever seen the guys, they're the real nice guys, but then with their girlfriends, wives, spouses, they're always mad? Let me tell you why that is, because they have a contract that their spouse doesn't know about. I will give you whatever you want. In return, you're going to give me whatever I want. Some of you guys out there, girls, you got a boyfriend and you wonder why sometimes he randomly gets mad when he's constantly, every other time, gives you what you want and then he fights you over the smallest thing. That's because he's mad that you're not living up to your end of the contract that you didn't sign. He often looks like the perfect husband on the outside. Guys, you, the, the gentlemen make it hard for us when we want to, the rest of us, when we want to pursue godly manhood because on the, they look the part, but their motives aren't right. They look like the perfect husband, whatever you want, dear. But often, his wife is often tired, stressed, passionless at home because she carries all the weight. Ladies, you like gentlemen too, for the short term. They make great boyfriends. They make terrible husbands. So I'm going to say this to you now. If you're a girl out there and you're dating a gentleman and he's not striving to be more or he leaves this and, makes, and gets mad and makes fun of it, but something in your heart says, yeah, this guy, my, my guy's a gentleman, I promise you right now it feels great. You will not like it when it comes to bills, raising your children, taking care of business. Because at the end of the day, you're his God and you don't have big enough shoulders for that. <clears throat> he is the puppet king. He sits on the throne, but he's controlled by whoever's behind him. He looks the part, but he doesn't live the part. Finally, I like this name, the playboy. Not the magazine. All right, there's a, that word came from something else. Mr. Smooth, right? He's the womanizer. Ladies, I guarantee you, as I'm saying this, guys come to your mind, right? He looks good. He smells good. He speaks well. You ever heard those guys? What up, girl? Right? He, clearly, I wasn't good at it. Anyway, he smells delightful. He leaves behind a trail of women. These are in the church, too. Well, he doesn't have sex, so what? That's not, that's not the only thing. Oftentimes he is sexual. He gets his identity from the attention and adoration of women. He is sexual. He is charming. You can meet these guys out there. Well, he has a husband. So what? Or he has a wife. <laughs> Either way. <laughs> right? These are men that, guys out there, if this is you, you get your identity. and you're, That's why you go from girl to girl. Because once you get her, you're like, eh, I don't feel good about myself anymore. I wonder if I can get that one. I wonder if I can get that one. It's empty and leaves behind a lot of broken hearts. And then there is the king. And this is not a mask, it's a crown. He falls and imitates the king of kings. He can laugh like the entertainer, like the jester. He can fight, he can lead, he, can, he does pursue, and he is seductive and sexual to one woman, his wife. And until he finds her, he chooses not to be because she already deserves that and is owed that, even if he doesn't know her yet. He tends his garden and rules his kingdom. So, a man who's acting like a king does not take his identity from these things. He doesn't take his identity from the masks, but he has all of those in his toolbox. Get it? But he doesn't take his identity from any one thing. <clears throat> he leads, loves, laughs, and carries weight not to get affirmation and identity, but because that is who he is. The next few weeks, we're going to focus on one trait of being the type of man God has called us to be. So for the next few weeks, we're going to talk about what a king is in a certain way. Guys, listen, none of us are perfect in this. You want to be a better man? You want to be a king? 
then we need to pursue this, even if your significant other doesn't always like it in the short term. Ladies are like, don't you tell them that. No, hear me. Stay with me, right? Not to spite her, but because you love her enough to pursue it. The trait of a king is that he tends his garden and rules his kingdom. And then ladies, we're also going to talk about each week how you can help your husband or single ladies, the men, your brothers around you, and someday your spouse. How can you help them, help them in the pursuit of that trait? And also, mothers, how do you raise kings? Because it's easier to raise a king than try to create one later. Then we'll move into single men in their pursuit of relationships. Guys, listen, you should want more than a warm body. You should want a queen. Because ladies, you have traits you should be going, you should be anyway. That's who you were made to be. The reality is, men, we are still haunted by Eve. By who she's supposed to be, who she is. The perfect one, right? And the same thing. They will, we'll, we'll talk about that, and we'll talk about the traits of a queen. Ladies, what does it mean to be a queen? How can you live that out, even though the world's going to tell you that a queen acts more like a king? So, make sense? Yeah? You with me? Uh, that's good. We'll try to get through this. Whew, Corey's not here. I don't have to worry about taking, you know, getting done quickly. So, I want you guys to jump. Well, we talked about this verse last week. First Corinthians, so our first trait, you'll see if you can figure it out. Our first trait comes from 1 Corinthians 16, 13, but it's really all throughout Scripture. I love this. Be alert, stand firm in the faith, act like a man, be strong. Anybody reading from their Bible right now has the NIV? What's the NIV say? Anyone take your time. What's the NIV say for this? Be men of, your says be men of courage. Hmm, what do you, what else? What someone else has got? Well, I'll just say it. It's taking too long. It says be courageous. There are a lot of translations that will ju- they get rid of act like a man and put be courageous. I think this is a problem for two reasons. One, why is it that they're already taking out the fact that Paul was talking to the leaders in this church and that they were men? Reality. But here's another cool thing. We're going to twist their twisting. The best thing that they could think of, of a trait of acting like a man, is courage. How cool is that? Well, we won't put man, but we'll put courage. Men, we are called to be courageous. That word has been cornied. That's what I call it, right? We're meant to be courageous, but it's, it's the gentleman's courage. It's not the courage of Jesus. It's not the appearance of courage, but it's the substance. <clears throat> be alert, stand firm in the faith, act like a man, be strong. As I said, the translations often, tra- some translations tr- translate, act like a man with be courageous. Guys, we're going to talk about courage. Because every other thing I'm going to tell you about what it is to be a king, if you are not courageous, if you will not live out of the, Courage, you cannot do it. You cannot do it. How do I know that? You ready? Here's the definition of courage. It's not going to be up there, so you have to listen. I love words. Courage is the ability to do something that frightens one. It's frightening to be a king in a world that doesn't want it. It's the strength. It's strength in the face of pain or grief. Oof. It's not just being strong. Anyone can be strong. Can you be strong when it's hard and it hurts? It's the mental or moral strength to venture, persevere, withstand danger, fear, or difficulty. Do you see what I mean? Men, you cannot be kings without being courageous. You can't. Courage, and this is my own, when we look at Scripture, when I look in the Bible, God says it all the time, right? Be not afraid. Do not be afraid. There's an incredible, I love the last words that David says to Solomon. He says almost the same thing that happens in uh, 1 Corinthians 16, 13. He pretty much tells him, act like a man, be strong, be courageous. Tough times are coming, but if you do this and you follow God, there will always be, always be a man on the throne of Israel. Courage is doing the right thing even when it will have a cost. Listen to me. I'm going to write some down. This is it. Courage is doing the right thing even when it will have a cost. The call to be courageous in the Bible is nearly always accompanied with the call to trust God. Because putting our faith and trust in God enables us to be courageous. Right? The verse that says, if God is for me, who can be against me? 
If I already know the end of the story and I truly live out of that, does that mean I have doubts no, or don't have doubts? Of course not. But when I truly live out of the reality of who God is and who I am in him, it enables me to be courageous. Because however it works out, I've already won. That's how Paul can say to live as Christ and to die as gain. I already win. Is that hard to live out of? Absolutely. It takes courage. And whether you believe it or not, I'm not going to make them do this. The ladies in here, when they like characters from movies and, and books, they don't like the cowards. Listen to me. They don't like the cowards. They don't want the one, the, the, the soldier, the tough guy, the hero who looks at her and says, should I go do it? No. They want to be rescued. They want someone that will fight. They want someone that will go into danger. Why? Because if someone is courageous enough to go into situations that hurt, then they have what it takes to come through for them and their family. That's it. Little hint, single guys, if you don't have the courage to go up to her face and ask her on a date, mm, right? That's what messenger's for. Come on, man. Right? Some of you are like, that's how we got together. I'm not mocking you, all right? I get it. That, we live in a virtual world. But I'm saying if you're around them all the time. Clearly, if they're in Ohio, you're not going to drive and show up at their house. But, yeah, guys, that's it. So who do we look to for courage? Remember I told you we follow the king of kings. We imitate him. We're going to talk about Jesus. I'm telling you right now, listen, you think you know he was brave until you actually start understanding. We have this idea that he was like, oh, right? Like he didn't have fear. He didn't have sadness. He would just float it along, right? And he never got dirty. Like any, that's not reality. He was fully God and fully man. So that meant in order to be the perfect sacrifice, the perfect king, the representative of us, he had to deal with the same things we dealt with. He had fears. Did you know that? How do I know that? Because he said it. He said, he told his friends to come and pray with him. He said, pray with me. I am scared to the point of death. I don't want to do this. That's what makes what he did so incredible is he admitted, Father, take this from me if there's any other way. What made him a man of courage is what he said after that. But your will be done. Why? Because he knew who he was and he knew who the Father was. So, Isaiah, Old Testament. Todd, you don't do that. Yeah, we're going to Old Testament here. Chapter 50, verses 6 and 7. It's not going to be on. Don't panic, Jack. I didn't have it up there. He's breathing heavy. Okay. Isaiah chapter 50, verses 6 and 7. You can look it up in your Bibles. It won't be on the screen. So Isaiah is an interesting book um, because we have a prophet who's talking to the Israelites, and he is telling them things from their life. But he also prophesies about the Messiah. And it will shift partway through there, and all of a sudden you're getting a first person of, honestly, Jesus talking through him about what's going to happen. And this is what we see here. Hopefully this is the right chapter. If it's not, just raise your hand or do something. But sometimes I type wrong. I gave my back to those who beat me. Does it start there? Whew, thank you. I gave my back to those who beat me and my cheeks to those who tore out my beard. This is how we know, right? He's talking about Jesus. Long time before Jesus came. I did not hide my face from scorn and spitting. The Lord will help me. Therefore, I have not been humiliated. Therefore, I have set my face like flint, and I know I will not be put to shame. Now, up above, he already told us, if someone pulls out your beard and hits you and mocks you and spits on you, are you not already in shame? No, Jesus is saying that right now. He's saying it doesn't matter what you do. I will not be put to shame. I will set my face like a flint, even in the old, and do what he has called me to do. Sounds good, but did it? And then let's look at the Gospel of Luke. This will be on the screen. Chapter 9, verse 51. As Jesus made his way, when the days drew near for him to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. I love when the Old Testament and New Testament come together. He set his face like a flint to go to Jerusalem. We're like, oh, that's cool. When he goes to heaven, what had to happen before he did that, before he went back to the Father? The pain. See, oftentimes when we think um, so I love this because it, I see Jesus sitting here and I have envisioned him looking toward Jerusalem or looking toward his favorite mountain that he would go and hang out on or all the thousands of people follow him at that point. And actually they had been praising him, right? Oh, now they like him and he's going, I could go there where I know I'm going to be mocked and killed or I can go here where I will be loved and adored and get to rest on a mountain, whatever else. And he said, no, I set my face like a flint and walk towards that. What does that phrase mean? Flint is hard. It's difficult to shape, it's sharp. It's that idea of I am determined, nothing is going to turn me from the path that I need to go on. Immovable. But here's the thing. When the days 
drew near for him to be taken up also means that he knew that the pain was coming, that the hurt was coming, that the loneliness was coming, that the agony was coming. Not only the physical pain that he felt constantly, but the utter loneliness as the father turned his back on the son. My God, my God, why, did you, why have you forsaken me? He knew what was coming. You can't, I want you to picture that. Picture a path that you go on your own and it doesn't have to be this way, but people are going to die that you love. Or a path that says, I'm going to go here, I'm going to lose my wife, my family, my kids. He doesn't have that, but I'm trying to relate it to you. I'm going to lose my job and all of this. And not only that, every single person that says they love me will turn their back on me and in fact will spit on me, will hit me, will ask for a murderer before me. And to set your face and choose that. Why? Remember Jesus' Jesus's humanity. He would have enjoyed being married. Did you know that? How do you know that? He was a man. Fully man, fully God. He would have enjoyed being married. He probably thought about the possibility of having kids and being married. He had friends. We know that. Good friends. He had family. He had a mother that loved him, right? He had siblings. He had places that he loved visiting. He liked to go out in nature. said that he had hobbies. He had things he liked to do. He did not want to die. He did not want to die. That's hard for us to fathom sometimes because, again, we're like, oh, Right? And he's hitting with whip, and he's like, this feels fine. No. He didn't want to die. But more than his own desires, more than the consequences, he wanted to please the Father. He wanted to be who God had made him to be. That is the definition of courage. The willingness to go towards tough situations for the sake of good. Man, you know this. You know you're made for this because I want you to look at the movies that you love. Most of them. It's the truth the things that draw you, the things that you love, even sports. What's the truth of sports? Because in a small, weird little way, right, why do we call them warriors and gladiators? Because for many of us, it's the closest we get to that. It takes courage, right? It takes some form of courage. We know that we are made for that. Courage isn't screaming. It's not dragging your feet. It's not complaining. But it's resolutely and with courage going towards good. Because of your trust in the Father, in the trust of your King. Because that's who you were made to be. Why is it that even to this day, throughout history, one of the worst things you can say to a guy is, you're yellow, you're a chicken, you're a coward, right? Even to the people shoot people for that for this, to this day. Don't call me that. What are you trying to say, right? I mean, guys, what are you trying to say? What are, we really, what are you trying to say, right? I'm doing it right now. What are you trying to say? What are you trying to say, Tony? Anyway, a man, a man, this is so important, guys, when it comes to courage. And this is kings. Man in here, you want to be kings. You ready? When you show courage, a man that is determined in showing courage inspires the saints and pushes back the world. Stay with me. Inspires the saints. It inspires your family and your friends. It inspires people and points them to God. I'll point you to another verse. There's a, there's a moment when Jesus went into the temple and he spoke some truth, right? And it's so funny because sometimes they like it. They tend to like it when it, even today. If I tell you that God loves you, you're like, yeah. If I, if I tell you that what you're doing is a sin, yeah, I hate you, right? So God, Jesus goes up there and he teaches and it's like, okay, and they start to get mad. And it says in Luke 4, verse 29 and 30, they, the people, got up, drove him out of town and brought him to the edge of the hill that their town was built on intending to hurl him over the cliff. Now, we don't know this, but how do you drive somebody out of a building all the way to a cliff? You think they went, sir, can we go to the top of the mountain here? No. There's no reason to believe that it isn't possible that they kicked him and grabbed him and were pushing him, you know, and you ever seen a mob mentality getting into the edge of this cliff? They were going to throw him over a cliff, so his back is to the cliff, and there's a group of people. I love this. Because verse 30 tells us what happens. But he passed right through the crowd and went on his way. Why? Because that man had his face set like a flint and nobody's going to get in his way. And in a cowardly crowd, a man with courage makes room. You can be a culture setter. It doesn't matter what the crowd's doing. One man with courage splits a crowd. Changes it. He walked through him. It doesn't say he fought. It doesn't say he snuck. I view it that he was like this and he just looked at them with that look in your eye like, this guy's crazy. All right, we're going to, my bad, right? And he walked through him. Does that not get, man, me, the man in me is like, yeah, that's right. 
<laughs> so, that's what we're called to do, man. You want to be a king. You want to wear the crown that God has intended for you. Tend your God and rule your kingdom. See, I love this. Some of you guys out here, even in this small church, I can see it. Now, here's the thing about when I preach. I've told you before, I don't really see individual faces that much. I try to find like two friendly-ish ones. Because some of you got grumpy faces, I can't look at you. Because one, two things will happen. One, I'm going to be like, what's wrong? Or two, I'm going to get mad. And then I start talking to you like, you know, you know what I mean? I'm preaching to you and it's not good. So I'm moving ahead. But I do still see faces. And it's usually after. I can see the guys in the room that don't like this. And I know why you don't like it. Because you don't like to be called out. But that's cool. It's not me. Who do you think he is? I'm a nobody. But it doesn't change the fact that this is reality. If you're nervous that your girl or somebody or your boy, what, not your boyfriend, man, what's wrong with me today? Your girl or your wife is mad at you, well, he's, he's going to make her mad at me. That's not me. I love the fact that you guys think I have way more influence than I do. All right? That's called the Holy Spirit you're afraid of. So I, instead of getting mad, why don't you investigate why it makes you mad? All right? So, a king, you want to show, I'm going to give you um, how a king not the king of kings, although he models it. How, how does a king show courage? Man, how do you show courage? How do you show this trait? Are you awake? Should I throw something? Grant, you awake? Here we go. He does not like to be called out. Uh, a king shows courage. I'm going to give you three areas. And then, ladies, so you're not bored, I'm going to show you how a queen inspires courage. Okay? King shows courage at home. How do you show courage? Todd, I'm not a soldier. Nah, you're not. Like in the, in the classical sense, but you are in a battle. The, the word tells us, right? We're, we're in a war not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities. There's things out there. So you show courage at home. How do you do that? One, you enter into your marriage. If you're a man that goes home and your wife is sad and you know it, your wife is sick, your wife is tired, your wife is exhausted, she does that thing where she looks at you with the sad eyes and goes to the room and shuts the door and has the lights off, and you walk in and go, oh, man. Right? You know that moment. You're like, I can pretend I think she's asleep, which makes me look loving. Like, it's okay. Even though you know she's not, right? But later you can be like, I thought you were asleep. Lights were off. Or do you enter in, sit on the edge of the bed, and ask that scary question, what's wrong? That's courage. A man enters into his marriage. He values his marriage. He enters into tough situations. He has tough conversations. He doesn't shut her up when she says something that makes him uncomfortable. That's what a mercenary does, not a king. Some of you are so scared and insecure that anytime she has a problem with you, you're like, don't you do it. And she's scared of you. And you think because she quiets down out of fear that that means everything's good. No, it doesn't. It just means you've beat her into submission. That's not submission. That's wrong. Submission's voluntary. You beat her into slavery. And I know you sense it. That's why you're nice the other 90% of the time, right? You make up for it. I love you, baby. Here you go, honey. And she just takes it quietly, right? That's not what a king does. Two, a king at home. Whoa, whoa, whoa. How does he show courage at home? One, he enters into marriage. Two, is active in raising his children. Are you a father? A father does not just procreate. He raises children, and it doesn't stop. You know, one of the things, I don't think they'll be upset at this. One of the things that was hard for my parents, I'll say this to them. My parents had me when they were 17 and 18 years old. <clears throat> my mom was 17, almost turned 18. My dad was 18, almost turned 19. They had me, and they left their entire family. Very proud of them for this, and they moved to Indiana. They're from Kentucky, Appalachia, represent, poor area. Right? They got out of there. They moved up here, and they didn't have, like their parents was pretty much, oh, you're old enough to walk, drive, and work? You're on your own. So as, as I got older, I'm the oldest, I have a younger, younger siblings, I remember having these conversations where they didn't understand that kids don't stop needing their parents just because they're grown-ups. And how do I know that? Because you grown-ups still need your mom and dad, and if you don't have your mom and dad anymore, you know what it is to wish you did. Fathers, being a father doesn't stop at 18. You enter in and raise your children. You enter in and go into tough situations. You come home and you, you don't make her be the bad guy all the time. Some father's out there, you're the fun guy, right? That's awesome, but she's the bad guy. She always has to carry the weight. This is your favorite phrase, ask your mom, which I hated that, right? I go ask dad. He says, ask your mom. You go ask mom. She says, ask your dad. Somebody's getting mad, right? Don't do that to your children, all right? Are you active in raising them when they're screaming and yelling? Do you go take them or you say, I don't know what you want me to do. The wife takes care of it. 
I see that in this church. Some of you guys need to step up. Just because the baby's screaming and crying doesn't mean it's mom's turn. Man up. Be, have courage. Now, if you try and they still don't, and you know mom will take care of it, it's okay then, right? And he shows courage at home by standing between his family and fear. What does that mean? That shows itself in a lot of ways. It's very apt and appropriate right now. Do you come home and the first thing you do is tell everybody how the world's doomed? Huh? You know the kids are hearing about it, right? You guys know that? And they're kids, so of course by now it's the bubonic plague at school. I know because some of the kids are talking to me, right? And they're like, oh, it's, you know, what, what is your role in that? Are you someone that brings, you're courageous and you show them that and show them that you have courage in the face of, of fear, in the face of tough situations, or do you crumble? Or, or worse yet, do you, do you shrink? Number two, how, do, how does a king show courage? A king shows courage at church, at your church. First of all, if you don't go to church, except whenever you want, you're not courageous. Well, I'm sleepy. Me too. I really am. I don't sleep. <laughs> right? Also, just so I can trump some of you guys, because I love doing this. Some of you are like, yeah, you, I already know you. I'm, I'm sorry. No, you get paid to do this, Todd. I didn't for five years. I worked a different job. So don't give it to me, man. I still had to show up. All right? I didn't do it well, but <laughs> shows courage at church. What does that mean? They go to church. They're a leader. They don't make, their wife doesn't drag them to church. If you, the only way you go to church every week is your wife says, are we going to church? Are we going to church? That's a problem. Courage, remember, it means dealing with grief. I know it's tiring. I know sometimes the pastor's boring. I know he's annoying, right? Whatever else it is, go to church. Find a church. Not just for you, but from your fam- for your family. He shows courage at church by serving. Are you bringing your gifts and your talents and your strengths to the body in whatever ways that looks like? Not everybody serves the same way, and I'm not saying you've got to serve on every team, but you should be serving. You show courage at church by worshiping. I don't, I ain't singing no song, right? I love watching it too, some of you, right? I'm not making fun, a little bit. But I, sometimes I sit near you guys and you're not even saying anything. Don't fool me, right? The only reason I say that takes courage because you're worried about what everyone else is saying around you. Who cares, all right? Sit near me if you want to feel better, okay? He worships both in song and in, in, in showing in his life. Uh, he shows courage at church by being in community, real community. Do people know you? Do you, do you know them? The community's not just about you, it's what you bring to those people. You can't carry each other's burdens, and in this way you fulfill the law of Christ if you're not in community, real community. I know it takes stages. Todd, you're telling me to give up my family for the church. No, I'm not. I'm telling you to be in community. And the very fact that you're trying to, to say that's true is silly. You're making excuses because somebody doesn't want you to be comfortable. Are you in community? He shows courage at church by speaking truth even when it's hard to hear. It's hard to go up to your brother who you know is doing something silly and enter into that and go, man, are you, like, what are you doing? Do you guys have friends who you know's wives are, are right on the edge of being emotionally abused? And you know it, but you don't say anything because they might get mad. Or you challenge them because of whatever else it is. Maybe, maybe someone's about to get married and you see the writing on the wall. You've been married, but you're afraid to come up and share some of those concerns because that's, what if they get mad or what if she gets mad or what if they leave or whatever else. But that's not your job. Your job is to show courage and walk. Because the most loving thing in the world is to tell the truth to someone. How does he show courage in the world? I'm sorry, a king shows courage in the world. Man, I don't know my own notes. He shows courage in the world. What is, that's a big one. What does that mean? It means that he has a willingness to stand for truth when it isn't popular. Guys, we are in a time when truth does not exist, even though that annoys me, because the very word itself implies there is something that's true. Whatever. Truth can't be relative. It goes against the definition of the word. I mean, subject. yeah, it can be. It's not subjective or relative. A willingness to stand for truth when it isn't popular. That's in how you live. Guys, that's, that's a lot. That shows itself online. It shows itself at work. I hear this a lot. It's really hard for me to be to walk my faith out at work. Why? Because somebody might get grumpy at you? You know, and, and the world's giving you an easy excuse. You say, well, I can't talk about religion at work. Nobody's telling you to go and do that. But you don't have to laugh. You don't have to tell those jokes. You don't have to show those videos. You can be different. 
It's a willingness to set culture in the face of opposition. Culture setters don't move even if the tide goes against them. Men of courage set culture. That's been throughout history. We wouldn't have America if there weren't men that were willing to stand against culture. The culture is, hey, you got a king? No, we should try something different. Stand against it. The Bible is filled with that. Filled with it. Are you willing to be different by following him when the crowd doesn't? Even when the crowd is painted with Christianity. They can call themselves whatever they want, but if it's not biblical, it's not Christianity. If it's not Jesus Christ of the Bible, it's not Christianity. Three, they show a willingness to show faith when the world is panicked and scared. That one is pretty apt, isn't it? Guys, men, your families need you to stay calm. Your community needs you to stay calm. Your coworkers need you to stay calm. I'm not saying that you shouldn't take care of business prep. I don't know what that looks like for you, but I can tell you this. going Running around, feeling that. Have you been around someone? Like, guys, we have got to be pillars, true pillars, because Lord forbid it gets worse, like for real bad, not just what do we do then? It's one thing to talk the talk. It's another thing to walk the walk. It's time. Let's start now. Can we be pillars? Can we be stable when the world is panicking and scared? Can we show our faith to the world around us when it's scary, really scary? Because if you, are, you call yourself a Christian at your job, your work with your family, your faith is going to show on how you respond to tough situations. They're viewing Jesus through your lens. So, make sense? <clears throat> Three areas, guys, if nothing else. Show courage at home, show courage at church, show courage in the world. How does a, and it will cost you, by the way. That's how you know the difference between someone who's truly showing courage. It will inevitably cost you something. How does a queen, ladies, I'm here, how does a queen inspire courage? How do you help? You can't make him be courageous. He can't come to you for that, but you can help him, right? You can help inspire him to that. How do you do that? Do you want to know? One person. Okay. Oh, yes, please. I got you. Very polite. Thank you. Here we go. Uh, One, notice and encourage moments of courage. They're going to pretend they don't need your words. That's what they do. I don't need you. They do. When you say those things, it matters. When you see them act in a courageous way and stand up for God, for your family, whatever, encourage that. Speak into it. Notice it. Two, follow his lead when you're scared. If he's acting courageous, if he's standing firm, if, you know, I can think of a hundred reasons. I can think of uh, a guy in this church, okay? A guy in this church got married while he was in this church. He was a leader. He was literally a leader. He was on our steering team. He got married to someone, and she decided she was never going to come to church. She literally refused to come the moment to this church, refused to come. And I will never forget standing there talking to him. He, he held out for a couple weeks because he's like, no, I know this is the place we need to be for her. It wasn't even about me, for her. She needs this. She needs this community. She's like, no, uh, we're going where I want. She refused to come, and I'll never forget the moment when he looked at me, and I knew I'd lost him when he said, what am I supposed to do? She won't come. And I told him, I got frustrated. I was like, you're supposed to follow God. And so what he did is he caved. They're not here anymore. And every time someone talks to him, they say he looks so sad. I don't think it's just this, but that starts a precedent. Ladies, are you willing to trust him when he's being courageous enough to look you in your eye and say, I think we need to do this, even though you're concerned? Because your call, this is the part you don't like, to submit, to follow him, to trust him is independent of his wisdom of his intelligence, of his worthiness. Unless he's calling you to leave the Lord or to do something illegal or even that, you should trust him because it's not about you. Okay? I'm going to say this right now. I've heard this before. Well, how do I, I'm, I'm married. How do I know that what God's called me to isn't right and what God's called him to is wrong? Here's all I know. Ephesians 5 tells me that God's not going to tell you to do something different than your husband is when he tells you to submit to your husband. He's not going to do that. That's illogical. That's a worldly perspective. I know that's hard to hear. That's illogical. Right? That would be cruel. So that's an easy way for you to know. I know it's hard. I, don't, I think that's terribly hard. But you know what else is hard? Loving you as Christ loved the church. That's hard too. You follow his lead when you're scared. Don't, number three, don't try to manipulate through fear or shame when he's being courageous. 
Because you know how to do it, don't you? You know how to push his buttons. You know how to scare him. You know, the, uh, guys, if you're with a girl and she constantly threatens to leave you, you're being manipulated. You're being manipulated. And ladies, you are making it harder for your man to be a man of courage. Because they do care about you. You might be the only person in the world they care about losing. Do not do that. That's wrong. I know it's, you got that power, right? You feel like you don't have a lot of power, so the one thing you can do is take away your love, your affection, whatever else that's wrong. And number four, this is uh, how do you inspire courage? You inspire courage by raising kings, right? So not only can you inspire your husband to be a king, but you can raise future kings. I love uh, mothers with your boys. Encourage them to be brave. Encourage them to stand up for truth. Encourage them to follow God when it's hard. Notice it because right now you're that female voice in his life that he cares about just like he will his wife someday. When you see it happen, give him praise. Tell him he's doing good. Give him opportunities to show courage. There are times, ladies, that you should not uh, mother him. They need to deal with that. They need to learn. They need to learn that I can stand and overcome things. Give him those opportunities. Okay? All right, she's going to come play some music, and uh, while she's doing that, I want you guys to think of something. Men, guys, I mean that, guys this time, in the room, every one of us can take this. Is your life characterized by a kingly courage? Is it? Do you show the courage of your king? That when times are tough, when times are hard, when it's going to have a cost, are you still willing to stand for truth, to love radically, uh, to lead, to carry weight, or when the tough times come, you shrink? Do you have kingly courage, or are you a paper lion? You know how to roar, you know how to talk big, but when the time for action comes, the time for setting your face like a flint comes, you shrink back instead of walk forward. Here's the good news, if that's you in this room. If there's an area in your life you haven't been showing courage, maybe it's with your wife, maybe it's with your kids, maybe it's at work, maybe it's uh, in the church, maybe it's just in general that you feel fear all the time and it's hard for you to function. Listen, here's the good news. You are not a coward. How do I know that? Because I know who your father is and you were made in his image. You are not a coward. You are not fearful. You're not. Just because you have fear does not make you fearful. That's not the real you, the way that you've been living. That any moment you can stop and be the man you were called to be, the king you were called to be, the man of courage you were called to be. When those moments, maybe if even your life's been characterized, hear me now, I don't care what the world's told you, what that voice tells you, you are not a coward because you were made in the image of your God and Father. You were made to be a king you are a man of action, and you are a man of courage. It's just time to start showing the world who you really are. So if you're in this room and your life has been characterized by fear, your life is, is lacking in one of these areas, take this time. It's called altar time. It's between you and God. This is the altar, right? The Bible tells us this is holy ground. Did you know that? And you can come here and pray. You can pray at your seat. There'll be people here that can pray with you. Sometimes people get confused. What am I supposed to do? Whatever you want. They're just here to pray with you if you need or want that. There is something powerful about confessing things and getting prayer from other people. That's a real thing. That's a scriptural thing. Whatever you do, man, let's, let's walk out of here today. Listen, this is important. Especially, I didn't even know everything was going to be happening when we planned this. Especially in a time like now, this world needs men of courage. We need kings. Because even if this is just a warning or if things are going to get bad, we need men of action and courage and leadership who are willing to stand firm in the face of fear. We need it. Because if kings don't step up, mercenaries will. We have to be kings. We can be kings. Because that is who our Father is. So whatever areas of influence you're in, Take this time, and if it means repentance, if it means you have to even go to your wife, maybe you've been, you know, maybe you're that guy that's been, instead of showing courage going into marriage, you beat her into slavery. It's okay to repent, repent to her, repent to God. Nobody's judging you. That's the most courageous thing you can do. For some of you, the most courageous thing you can do today is walk to the altar and repent. That's the beginning of something. Well, I'm going to look stupid. Somebody's going to look at me funny. I'm going to look silly. That's fear. Kings don't care. I don't know where you're at, but I know this. You're not defined by what you've done, but by who you are. 
And if you're in the room today and you don't know Jesus, then this, this scary world, the fear that you're feeling, it's a great time to look and say, where are you at with God? Tomorrow's not promised. The Bible tells us something very clearly. God created us in his image to be kings, but we rejected him. Kings and queens, we rejected him. We turned our back on him, and because of that, sin entered the world. Sin, by the way, is the cause of this virus and everything else, the brokenness, the disease, the storms, everything that isn't right about this world comes from the rejection of God. It comes when the creation walks away from the creator. And the thousands of years since then have shown us what happens when we try to be kings outside of the influence of the king of kings, when we try to live our way. Guys, and... The thing is, we are guilty before a holy God, and he has said that we are sentenced to death. You are sentenced to death, period. And I'm not talking about when your time on this earth is. I'm talking about eternity. This is life. Eternity is wall to wall, right? But here's the beautiful thing. God came down. Jesus Christ lived in a form and left his, his kingdom to come to us, to live as we live, to tell us the way of the kingdom, and to do something even more beautiful, to make a way for us to go home. He paid the price. It's real. It's real. Jesus Christ died on the cross. Jesus of Nazareth died on the cross. And on that cross, he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because he took your sins so that you never have to die. You'll transition. So here's the thing. We all die, and either we go before... Let me finish that. So on the cross, something beautiful happened. He takes our sin, and he offers us his holiness, his sanctification, his, uh, his relationship. We get restored with the Father. Nothing can take that away. We're forgiven. We're empowered. The Bible says if you confess with your lips and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved, period. That's all you got to do. Don't leave today without being assured that if, Lord forbid, you were to pass away tonight, that you would be before God and be with God. Because here's the reality. You will either stand before God and you will have to stand before Him and take the punishment for your life or you stand before Him and get the benefit of Jesus' life. That's it. It's your choice. So whatever you do today, guys, don't leave the same as you came in. Because if you do, you're choosing to.